It is Thursday, February 18th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me tonight are Jared Smola, Mike Shope, and Adam Krautwurst. And we are here to talk about the money that these guys recently donated to me in a 2021 FFPC best ball draft. Might be a while before I collect it because we got to wait for the season to play out, but I do appreciate it nonetheless. We're going to recap the first 10 rounds of this draft. We're going to share some other takeaways. We all picked in it. Mike picked third. Jared picked fifth. I picked 10th. Adam rounded us out at the turn. Mike, I'm not sure anyone was more excited to jump into 2021 drafting than you, at least that I heard from. How did it feel to get things rolling with this draft? It was great. I've done a few since. So I'm definitely in the game for next year. I mean, this was one where with the FFPC format, you just you quickly this year are finding already you're going to get to the Travis Kelsey question right away. For me, that was the third pick and – I decided to do it. I think I've talked to you guys about it, that I think maybe when we get closer to the season, I'll end up focusing more on his age and questioning whether he can put another tight end one season up. But at this early stage, I was excited to see how a team with Kelsey at the top would look. Yeah, And I think it's important to figure out exactly how you're looking at these. Because if you end up doing a whole bunch of best ball drafts, then you're not treating every single one as a draft. Like, is this the guy I like third overall? It's, I want to get shares of these guys. This is the range where they're going to go. Maybe I'll take a Kelsey here and see what happens with this team. And if I don't like how the team plays out from here, maybe next time it's Devontae Adams instead. You know, whereas traditionally we would be waiting until July, August, September, we do one draft or three drafts or whatever it is. And we'd say, I definitely like this guy. He's a my guy. So it's a different mindset for this drafting. Um, Adam, Jared, were you guys on board with Travis Kelsey going third or did Mike screw up his draft right away? Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Mike took uh, Kelsey third. I know he's he's been saying all offseason, right? Are we still in the offseason? I don't even know where we are right now. No we, actually, we actually just got there. Perfect. So he's been saying um, since then that uh, that he might be lower on Kelsey this season uh, coming up. But, you know, things change. And then I think as soon as he made the pick, I think I texted him and you know, but he already had a response ready. So, uh, but yeah, I was kind of surprised to see him take Kelsey there. And, but you know what? It's January or it was January and he's a stud. So, you know, I kind of think kind of the strategy here is to take studs and see what happens. If you want safety, I don't think you can go wrong with Travis Kelsey. Like he, he's safer than any running back. We, we thought Christian McCaffrey was the safest pick this time last year and all throughout the summer. And we saw what happened with him. Like Kelsey's not going to lose you your draft. He might not end up being, you know, the third most valuable player in fantasy. But you know, he's, he's not going to kill you like CMC drafters got killed last year. And, of course, I would imagine most people watching this right now know that FFPC is tight end premium. So it's one and a half PPR for tight ends, uh, one point PPR for every other position. So obviously Travis Kelsey is even more of a stud here and coming off the way things went at tight end last season. It's understandable that he's in the first half of round one in these drafts. So I, I certainly think he's a sensible selection at number three. The draft started with Christian McCaffrey, unsurprisingly, Dalvin Cook at number two. Kelsey third to Mike's team, Jonathan Taylor fourth off the board, then Jared Alvin Kamara at five. I guess first, Jared, were you happy that Alvin Kamara was there on the board and or was there a decision between Kamara and anybody else that was still there? I considered Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry. And I mean, even just saying I consider Derrick Henry is crazy to me because I've been so anti Derrick Henry in the first round. And man, he, and I can already see myself as we get into the summer being like, you know, Henry 
he's getting up there in running back years. He's had so many carries the past few seasons. Is this the year he finally kind of drops off? So he might be a, a guy I end up, you know, underweight on, uh, you know, versus some of these other guys. But, um, you know, it was, it was Kamara or, or Barkley still. I think it's even ahead of Henry just because the pass catching stuff. I mean, we were talking before we went live about Kamara's projection without Drew Brees. I think it hurts a little, but I don't think that Kamara was a product of Drew Brees. I think he's so good he's going to remain a massive part of the passing game. Uh, you know, we'll see what the Saints do, but it's not like he's going to have a ton of target competition you know, besides Mike Thomas. And, and I just trust Sean Payton to keep him a massive part of the passing game. So, you know, Kamara to me is still a safe pick in the top half of the first round. Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine them cutting way into his receptions. And anybody who looks back at the first couple of games with Taysom Hill in place of Drew Brees last year and says, well, look what happened. Taysom Hill stepped in and all of a sudden Alvin Kamara stopped catching the ball. If you're going to base much on those two or three games, then you're doing it wrong. Jonathan Taylor ahead of Alvin Kamara. He's the first one that kind of makes me uncomfortable. Mike, were you considering Taylor and anybody else when you did pull the switch on Kelsey at number three? No, like I was saying, I wanted to see what a team like this would look like. So I was going to do something maybe unconventional. I mean, of course, Kelsey, when you look at ADP, like he's going where he went in this draft or around. I mean, he's going in the top five, so it wasn't really unconventional. But with those running backs from, I guess I'd be on McCaffrey pretty solidly at one, but from like two to six, I think I think I'd, I want to pick sixth. It could be any different order between the, those guys. And so I think in those situations, you want somebody else to pick for you, and then you get the next round earlier. I get the Kamara argument. I can see why Taylor is hot. I don't think – we've talked about DeAndre Swift in here before, and I don't see a big difference between those two guys. I guess since this draft, there's been more support for the idea of Swift from his own team. And I, I maybe we'll get to him. I don't know if you guys ended up taking him. But, no, um, with those running backs, I think they're all a lot alike at this at this stage. Adam, how do you feel about Jonathan Taylor at four overall? And I guess, you know, just being in the mix with those other guys, does he sit right where he went for you? Or would he be behind guys like Barkley and Derrick Henry? Speaking of Derrick Henry, I mean, you would love a, a Derrick Henry season out of Jonathan Taylor, right? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what you're, what you're looking for if you're drafting Jonathan Taylor. Really high on Jonathan Taylor last year. And, you know, to get him in the late second, third, fourth round, and then now I have to look and spend a, a top five pick on him. It's it just stinks, but uh, but yeah, I mean, an elite offensive line there. I think you could could put him right up there as long as you get second half, Jonathan Taylor. You can put him right up there with Kamara and Barkley and 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 Henry for for sure. I mean, he's 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 a stud, you know. So um, and kind of Mike going back to what you're saying about Travis Kelsey, I'm I'm in a super flex draft right now, and he went one one in in the draft. So it's like it looks like you got value. Uh, with Kelsey at the 1-3, but it's going to be fun to kind of see where Kelsey lands all spring and summer. Basically beyond McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook for me, I think I'm just getting a little queasy about the, the first-round running backs. I still feel good about Kamara, so I shouldn't throw him in there. Jonathan Taylor certainly could pay off in, in that range, but uh, he also could not. I'm not sure how much difference there is between him and a, a lot of the running backs going in round two. I, I guess we'll see. It could depend on how the offense is. It probably depend more on just how many balls they throw his way this year, this coming season. That's what I'm going to have to figure out with Taylor as we go forward, but a little bit uneasy with him going quite that high. After Jared's pick of Camaro, we had Saquon Barkley go next, Derek Henry, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller at, what was that, 109 in our draft, and then I took Tyreek Hill at 110. Mike, I, I think you 
texted out a wow after Waller came off the board at that spot. How are you feeling after watching some more drafts and kind of marinating on a little bit? I think I'm okay. He didn't get a choice. Whoever was nine didn't get a choice between those running backs. There's no one that I need in that spot. Adam seems so solid. So, you know, you want to you want to start with a tight end again. And I think it's okay to put him ahead of ahead of Kittle. You know, you're trying to figure out, I think, this time of year, too, who is everybody's quarterback going to be? And, you know, I would say on Jonathan Taylor, by the way, I don't think Wentz going there makes his outlook any any less good. Um, it might not be good for Hines, but I think Taylor is sort of at least as well off after that move. And we'll see what happens with Vegas, but Waller is outstanding. And I think it's reasonable to think you can have the same sort of success with him as Kelsey. Like he he is the number one receiving target on that team. Maybe that changes. We don't know this early on, but uh, you got to love the player. Yeah, I mean, my I think initial reaction is you're taking Darren Waller over George Kittle, but I mean, he has a lot less around him at receiver it, with the Raiders than Kittle does with the 49ers. We know who his quarterback is most likely going to be. I mean, we always get to this time of year, and then we start hearing murmurs about how maybe the Raiders will trade away Derek Carr. I mean, I guess I'll believe that when we get the Schefter and, and Chris Mortensen report. But, I mean, until then, I guess Waller is a little bit safer. I certainly think George Kittle has a higher ceiling. Waller wouldn't be my pick when Tyreek Hill is still on the board and probably some of the other guys that are still there, but I, I can understand him going in this range. Jared, what about you? I just think you're buying at the absolute peak if you're taking Darren Waller in the back half of the round. And, and this, by the way, is not something crazy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in another $35 best ball right now. Waller went at the end of the first round. I've seen a ton of draft boards. You know, he, He's going at the end of the first round, uh, You know, no later than the early second. So, I mean, he finished second among tight ends in FFPC points last year, 146 targets. I mean, he, he out-targeted Travis Kelsey last year. I'm not sure that's something we can bank on happening again. Um, he scored nine touchdowns. You know, that was a top three mark among tight ends. Again, I, I just think you're buying him at his peak. He might be safer than some of the other running backs, like Zeke Elliott, Nick Chubb, those type of guys. But I also would not be shocked if we're sitting here a year from now and Darren Waller finishes like tight end six on the season in fantasy points. And if that's the case, you know, he, he's not someone that we should be taking in round one or even in round two with that, in that case. As I saw Dante Adams moving down the board in round one, and I would take him higher than 108 with what we have in that round this year. I was kind of hoping that he would be there. Tyreek Hill is certainly a fine consolation for me. And I just feel better about those top receivers than the running backs in that range. It, by the time we get to the summer, I might very well feel just fine about Ezekiel Elliott ahead of those guys. But you know, especially when we're building this kind of best ball roster. Uh, I'm fine with passing on Elliott. And then at the end of the round, Adam, you had Stefan Diggs at the end of round one, of course, because you're a homer. And then George Kittle on the other side of that to kick off round two. What'd you think of your first two picks? I'll take that as a compliment, Matt. Thank you for saying that. Um, Finally, it is. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Listen, all, my whole life I've been avoiding Bills players, and now I get to get <laughs> for fun here. But um, Steph Diggs, I just think – like, like Jared said during the draft, I def, I certainly didn't get value on him. I took him as the number three receiver overall. Picking it at, at the turn there, you know, I'm not going to get him at, you know, the three, four turn. So, you know, it's a fun, fun little league. So I took Diggs there. You know, he's safe. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he's safe to be in the top six receivers, you know, with all the volume that, that he's getting. And so I, I, I would have taken Tyreek Hill, obviously, or Devontae Adams over him but uh, yeah I'm, ha I'm happy to have digs there and then Kittle in this draft I wanted to try taking Kittle because I wanted to see what kind of the roster construction would look like with taking you know an, an elite tight end early 
and then just waiting. You know, I think I waited another 12 rounds before I took another one. So rather than having to kind of decide who I'm going to take in the seventh, eighth and ninth and taking two or three guys there, um, I, I opted to just go with one elite tight end and then wait forever and just cross my fingers at Kittle, you know, realizes he's not a franchise left tackle and tries to embarrass every D end and get hurt. And, and you know, hopefully he kind of turns more into a receiver there. Yeah, um, yeah, hurt going up for a pass last year. I know, but his body's banged up all the time. He's always yeah. just like chill out, like he's pancaking <laughs> people. Like just do Trav, do what Travis Kelsey does. Just run around, look pretty, catch passes. All right, so score touchdowns. So listen to this conviction for this pick. <laughs> that's right i thought a lot about this i had six hours to, to think about it so, um, i think we've all forgotten how good george kittle is just because he missed most of the last season i mean he was going ahead of travis kelsey in a lot of these drafts last year which i didn't agree with at the time but it, it was definitely close uh, i don't it, it's it's kittle over darren waller for me pretty easily i can see them being close i, I think the thing that has changed for kittle is that brandon Ayuk outperformed what even the 49ers could have hoped for when they drafted him last year and then debo samuel who is out of the mix for a fair portion of this past season should be back in the mix this coming year. So there's suddenly a whole lot more competition. I think George Kittle is good enough to play above that play beyond that. And I still, I think that he's in that top shelf at tight end. I do think that there's a bigger gap between those top three and the rest of the position right now than it looked like there was heading into last season before Mark Andrews disappointed and Zach Ertz crashed. Absolutely. We'll look at the gap in the, on the board. Kittle is the third tight end at pick 13, and then the fourth tight end is pick 42. So that's a that's a big weight, especially in this format, right? Uh, Andrews was the middle of the fourth after Kittle was 201. Nick Chubb, the second pick around two after Adams Kittle pick. DeAndre Hopkins was my second selection. It started with two wide receivers in this draft. Again, and I think that we'll talk more about it as we get through the rest of round two. I just don't like this group of running backs at where they're going right now. I felt good about starting with a couple of stud wide receivers, even in this format. I mean, in case anybody else is not familiar with the the lineup format here, it's two running backs, two wide receivers, the tight end quarterback, and then there's two flex spots, which can be, of course, running back, uh, wide receiver, or tight end. So you only have to start two wide receivers. You could start as many as four. I went with Hopkins for the wide receiver, wide receiver start. There were times later in the draft where I didn't love what I had at running back, but I think ultimately I was okay with how things turned out. Jared, what do you think of the wide out, the two wide out start in this format? Yeah, I actually did it in the draft I'm in right now. I started wide out, wide out. In a vacuum, I like Hopkins over the running backs available as a round two pick. It's not, it's not a vacuum here. It's an entire team. So I, I do think... As always, you know, running back dries up. I think right now I look at it, you know, by, by the end of the third round, running back is pretty shaky. If you look at the draft board, you can see like not many running backs win after the third round because I think everyone sees the same thing. So I don't know. I think you made out okay with the running backs you took a little later on. We'll get to those. Um, and I think, again, I think Hopkins is safer than any running back you could have picked in his place at that spot. I will say, too, some of my thinking in these early round picks was knowing half of the field that I was drafting against in this draft <laughs> as well, and knowing that people were going to be taking at least one and probably two running backs within the first two or three rounds. So, you know, a little bit of zigging versus what I knew everybody else's zag was likely to be in this draft. So, you know, we'll see as we go through how it worked out from there. After the Hopkins pick, Clyde Edward Lair, DeAndre Swift, Mike's boy, James Robinson, Cam Akers. Mike, what do you think of where DeAndre Swift went in this one? And I guess the the overall running back uh, landscape in round two. I think it's fine. 
Um, I mean, I, I don't like Robinson as early as the next pick there. A- Akers is a pretty hot ticket right now. I- I'm not sure about Eckler. I'm not sure about Sanders by comparison or even Edwards Hilaire. I mean, I think Swift pick 17 in this draft. I mean, what do you guys think? I bet his ADP as we get close to the season is no worse than that. I think he's got a great setup, now, especially now, Anthony Lynn, and they're talking about throwing it to him. It's a different quarterback. I mean, I think a lot looks good for him and the talent's there. So I love that pick there. If he had ever had gotten to me at 210, I was I would have been on that for sure. As the Lions roster stands right now, like you could easily project Swift for 300 touches. Now, I didn't necessarily view him as that, that type of guy coming into the league. And nothing I saw last year makes me think he is. And I'm not sure. The stuff about the Lions' new staff viewing him as like a workhorse, that's been a bit overblown. If you actually read the, the comments, you know, they say, yeah, we want to get him the ball a lot. We want to get the ball to him in the passing game, but we also want to add someone else there. And, you know, they also do still have Carry on Johnson, who like, you know, two years ago was a hot name. And I don't know, maybe the new coaching staff wants to get him back involved. T- to me, like Swift, it, he, you're drafting him for the chance he could catch 80 balls. He was really good in the passing game last season. You know, he was good in the passing game at Georgia. So that, that's the upside. I still think he's going to be like a 13 to 14 carry per game guy. But we'll see what Detroit does. If they don't add anything to the backfield, maybe he becomes a 16 to 18 carry per game guy. And then he's probably worth a first round pick. I mean, both CEH and DeAndre Swift strike me as shaky there, given what we saw from them this past year. And in Swift's case, I, I'm not ready to trust the Lions coaching staff or the roster right now. I mean, you know, again, maybe I'll feel differently in August, but right now, I, Swift is not a, a round two pick for me, given his surroundings. Yeah, same here. I mean, if the, you know, we are talking about this specific draft, it being best ball, you know, if it's not a best ball draft, I, I like Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, kind of all those receivers that went after them, Jefferson, AJ Brown, Metcalf, Ridley, Michael Thomas. Like, I just feel like those guys are, are better than the, than that group of running backs that, that that's there. I do like Austin Eckler a lot. I mean, he's a, he's a points per game monster. Um, he had like, I think four or five games over 20 points last year and he only played in maybe seven uh, or, or eight games. So I like him coming back, you know, getting into a better offense with a, with an elite quarterback there. So uh, yeah, I think Eckler would be the guy that I would take out of, out of that group. So as I mentioned, CEH Swift, James Robinson, Cam Akers, and then Austin Eckler, I believe was your second pick, right, Jared? Yeah, and um, I was hoping to get Akers or Eckler in the second there, and you know, uh, Kevin took Akers right ahead of me, so that made the decision easy. I- I'm I'm just buying the Chargers' offense. You know, I, I love Justin Herbert. I think it's going to be a massive upgrade in coaching staff. Anthony Lynn gone there. I I think the Chargers, you know, this year's Chargers could be last year's Bills, sort of that breakout offense that you know all the pieces are elevated from a fantasy standpoint. So Eckler, I think he's what you're hoping DeAndre Swift is. Like he's going to get 12 to 15 carries per game. And he, I think he, if he stays healthy, he's going to catch, you know, 60 plus balls pretty easily. Do you, do you expect him to lead them in rushes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was when he was healthy last season. I don't expect them to add anything significant to the backfield. You know, they have Justin Jackson. They just drafted Josh Kelly in the fourth round. I think it was. I'd be surprised if they make a, a big investment. He's not going to be a 280 carry guy. But again, if he carries 220 times and catches 60, 70 balls, he's going to return value in the second round. Let's say Eckler took the spot somewhere earlier in round two of any of those other running backs. Who would you have liked to have seen get to you or would it have been Miles Sanders or somebody else? Yeah, again, Akers is the other guy. Among the 
second round running backs, other than Nick Chubb, you know, I think Akers and Eckler are my two favorites. I don't think I would have taken Sanders just because I, the Eagles are just kind of a mess right now. So I guess if Akers and Eckler were gone, I probably would have looked to Justin Jefferson at that point. Justin Jefferson's an interesting name to bring up because two spots later, he became the second round pick for Mike Shope. And I believe he, that makes him the fifth wide receiver off the board in this draft, right? Yeah. I mean, just what a, what an amazing season for a rookie, uh, especially. And, you know, again, we're dealing with change, changing information a lot this time of year. What has changed in Minnesota? Uh, well, the offensive coordinator will be new, maybe not entirely new in terms of philosophy, I'm not sure about the timing, but there have been some rumors about Cousins' future maybe is being traded. I haven't heard much about that in the last couple of weeks, but Jefferson seems to me somebody who can overcome whatever. I mean, that's the kind of year he had. It is only one year. You have DK Metcalf coming up, and I think by the end of the season, Metcalf, there were there were questions, you know, just about what kind of consistency we were getting from Seattle. AJ Brown is great. Ridley is great. I mean, I think it's almost the same for me with those players. And then maybe just, just slightly less. So Metcalf, the running back thing was sort of used up there. And I think Jefferson is, is fine there. Yeah, I, I agree. He kind of fits in that pool with AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley that are all around there. Tough for me to argue too much against any one of those guys. So we had AJ Brown go next DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley to start round three, Joe Mixon with the second pick of round three, and then J.K. Dobbins to your team, Mike, with the third pick of round three. Any other players that you were deciding among there? Gibson. It was it was Dobbins or Gibson. And I, I maybe feel like now I should have taken Gibson. I mean, he had a great season himself, and I think they should be able to throw it to him more next year. Again, you don't know who the quarterback is, but I think Dobbins is the running back in Baltimore. And I just I think a lot of that organization, I think that should be pretty good. Maybe not a home run, maybe more like a double. But I wanted to get a running back in at this point, and I went him over Gibson. It was really close. Mixon's kind of interesting because 3-2 might actually be early versus where he's going in most drafts. Um, I had an, I think I, I chose between him and Michael Thomas in the middle of round three in another draft, and I took Michael Thomas because I hadn't taken him in a previous draft, and then Mixon went like three picks after that at 3-10. So he's a potential value right now assuming that he's fine and the Cincinnati offense is healthy beyond even redraft. He could be a dynasty buy right now because nobody wants any part of him. And it was a, a foot injury last year. It's not like he played his way out of the lineup. I agree. When he's on the field, he's, he's a sure thing, right? I, I agree. I think yeah. he, I think it is a pretty good time to try to invest in him. Yeah. So Mixon actually, Mixon's going at the three, four for ADP for, for FFPC. He's a guy I would have considered if Eckler, and Akers were not there for me in the second round. I mean, I, I think Mixon belongs in round two. I know people were starting to get sick of him in drafts last summer, and then you know he had another injury wrecked season. So I, I think he's you know he might stay in the third round. I still think he's like a top ten talent at the position, and you know, that's obviously an offense on the rise. Assuming Burrow comes back healthy, maybe the O line actually gets some upgrades this offseason. We'll see what they do in free agency. And the draft. But, I mean, Mixon was getting awesome usage before the injury last season. The efficiency wasn't great. I think, you know, that's that points to the O-line. But I still believe in the player. And you know, I think he's still going to be their their workhorse back in uh, 2021 here. Yeah, we had Mixon, Dobbins, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs uh, all go within five, within six picks of each other in this round. It's tough for me to, to remember for sure. But I, I think that Mixon and Jacobs were the two running backs I was considering – 
back at the early part of round two when I decided to take DeAndre Hopkins. I, those guys are players that I feel better about than most of those second-year running backs that are actually consistently going in round two at this point. To me, Mixon's going to be a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on this offseason. I was I was really high on him coming out of college. And then he's just been, you know, he I feel like he's never returned on, on, on the investment, you know. Kind of like Jared said, you know, he's he's super talented and he had a lot of he had a lot of volume, but he didn't he didn't really produce, right? So like what is that well, what does that mean? So so like last year in the games that he played, he scored eight points, eight points, twelve points, fifteen points, and fourteen points, and then forty-two points. You know, you just don't know what what you're gonna get. To me, it's all about line, like you said, Jared. And I think they're gonna do that. They've got the receivers, they've got the the quarterback, they've got the running back. Go invest heavily in the offensive line. And if, if they do that, Mixon on my board will shoot way up because I do think he is the workhorse there. He he is the best back and with volume and a, and a good quarterback. I think he'll be okay as long as he can stay healthy. I just want to say quickly, I, I agree with the sentiment myself too, but that is not a team I trust. Remember the game in Baltimore last year where they just used him out in the fourth quarter? They were getting shut out, and he got the ball like 12 or 15 plays in a row, and then he was out for the season, and, and they didn't even know it. I feel like I could feel this way about Nick Mixon all the way through the season, the offseason, and never pick him. Yeah. yeah, honestly, that's my biggest issue with Mixon is I think Cincinnati has all the pieces except the coach. I don't trust the coaching staff at all. So I, I, we'll see where it goes um, heading into the season. He probably won't end up settling as an early second round pick for me. I, I do think that I feel better about Josh Jacobs' surroundings, but you know we'll see what the coach speak is as we get closer to that time. So J.K. Dobbins, Aaron Jones, Michael Thomas was the third round pick of Jared Smola. And Jared, is Michael Thomas a risk at this point or is he like a value that you can't pass up in the middle of round three? There's risk to Michael Thomas, but in the third round, I think you know that, that risk is basically negated. It's funny, I was actually trying to talk myself out of making this pick. Like I, I kind of just didn't want to take Michael Thomas. But, I mean, the more I looked at him, I still think he's an elite talent. Again, sort of like going back to Kamara, I definitely think losing Drew Brees is going to hurt Michael Thomas. You know, they just had such a rapport. But he's also such a talent. I still trust Sean Payton. Thomas is still going to have math volume. Like, I, 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 you know, I feel safe betting him to finish top 10 in targets, assuming he stays healthy this coming season. So, um, he, he's going about a round earlier than this, I think, in, in ADP. I don't know if you have his ADP in front of you, Adam. But, um, yeah, d- don't expect to see him in the third round in many drafts. Yeah, he's going at the two at, at the two twelve. Yeah, which is, I think, where he belongs somewhere in round two. I wouldn't be surprised if he climbs further up round two as we get closer. Behind Michael Thomas was Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery is the next three running backs. All, I think, fine in that range. Josh Jacobs, I think, might be a little underrated at that point, especially if the Raiders do make some more progress on offense. David Montgomery, I don't think I'm in this early in a draft. He, he, he's basically, last year in that final stretch is the one time that he's really been excellent for fantasy. There have been other times where he was fine, um, but and I, I'm not buying him as a top. I don't know, what, what is he at this point? 18 running back where he went in this draft? He went 20. 20. Which is okay. It, it, it's true that you know the, the back half of last year was his first big stretch. It, you know, it was also the guy's second season. Um, yeah. he's a player I like to come into the league. The, 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 I mean, the, the thing last year was Tree Cohen got hurt, and David Montgomery got the passing game usage. You know that that's what turned him into a big time fantasy asset. Cohen's going to be back this coming season, so you know that that's the concern 
do the Bears go back to the usage, you know, pre-Cone injury where Montgomery's only getting, you know, one or two targets per game? And if that's the case, then, yeah, I wouldn't take him in the third round. So we'll, we'll have to see about that. I don't love it either, but there is an interesting line being drawn after him in this draft, and may, maybe mm-hmm. it's fairly common. Maybe there are 20 guys. The rookies belong. I mean, you see, you start to see the rookies, it's three in a row going into round five, and then you, you got, you're got you talking about guys that are splitting time, maybe, probably, and there's a drop-off. So I don't feel like this team eight had a, a particular problem there where the pressure was on to take Montgomery, but I think there might there's an interesting sort of line to be drawn after him. Yeah, for me, once Josh Jacobs left the board, I knew I was taking a wide receiver in this spot. Yeah. And I did, after David Montgomery, we had Keenan Allen. Then it was Allen Robinson at my spot as my third wide receiver to start this draft. Then Najee Harris right on the other side. Uh, Mike Evans at, at wide receiver to close out round three for Adam. And then Travis Etienne to start off round four. So, you know, again, it's kind of it was like a week and a half, two weeks ago that this thing even wrapped up. <clears throat> I was surprised to see Harris and ETN both leave the board before my round four pick had either of those guys made it to me that I might've taken one of them as my first running back. But I mean, looking back, that's not a huge miss as far as I'm concerned for building my team. You guys know how I feel about Mike Evans. I love him. For Travis ETN, I loved ETN. I wish he would have came out two years ago. Not that it matters, but so he's coming out this year and now, you know, it's kind of one of those guys that when they stay, when you stay in college long enough, they're going to find ways to kind of nitpick you, your game. You know, Jay Moyer, I follow him on, on Twitter and he had a, a, an interesting thread on Twitter about ETN's game. And he does a lot of great, great uh, br- film breakdowns for these guys. And, and, you know, his, his footwork's a little off his, you know, his, his pad heights a little off. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but that's, that's, that's what he was saying. And um, so I, to me, it's about what team is Etienne going to go to really? Cause if he's getting the volume, you know, the, the, the workload, he, he catch passes, he's a, he, he can break long runs. And I had to take a running back, right? I could it, normally my best ball strategy is running back heavy early. Um, this one just kind of fell the way that it did. There were no running backs left. And kind of going back to my Kittle pick, if I would have known that that the draft was going to go like this and the best back on the board was going to be Etienne, I probably wouldn't have taken Kittle. I would have taken a running back. So I needed to take a running back. Etienne had the you know, the biggest upside because we don't know, kind of know where he's going. Um, so that was kind of the thought process behind that pick. Jared, are you drafting either Travis Etienne or Najee Harris where you have to to get him? Yeah, I don't want to like plant my flag in any rookies X. I haven't like totally dug in. I, I I have seen plenty of ETN and Najee Harris, just you know, because Alabama and Clemson are on every single week. Um, I, I I'm a big fan of both of them. I I think I like ETN a bit better actually. I, I see I see some Alvin Kamara to his game. Like he looks like a finesse speed back, but I think he, he you know he's a more powerful runner than he might look. I think he can be a big asset in the passing game too. Same goes for Najee Harris. So um, I think this area is about right for these guys. I mean, this is about where Jonathan Taylor was going even right after he got drafted in the early second round to a nice landing spot with the Colts. So it's going to take like a sweet landing spot for them to appreciate in value, I guess, from here. But I also think their talent and the fact that they're going to be top, you know, 40, at least top 50 picks means that they're going to have a big role this season. So I don't think there's a ton of risk to these guys, even though, you know, we haven't even seen them on an NFL field. Right. There's certainly some risk that somebody lands in round two with a team that already has a back that's likely to lead that team in carries. But at this point in the year, I think they're both okay in that range. Following ETN was Chris Godwin in round four, and then Patrick Mahomes to my team. First quarterback off the board, which is not usually what we're telling people to do. But for me, it was a matter of 
not being excited about anything else and stacking Mahomes with Tyreek Hill from round one. That was a, a particular strategy, knowing that I didn't like where things were going at running back. I had to do something different. I think the Mahomes Tyreek Hill stack was a way for me to differentiate for this draft. I like it. And plus, you know, you're, you're a showman. I think the, the reason we, the reason we did this league is so we could talk about it. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's my life on the radio. I mean, content baby. So, you know, I'll, I'll build around a tight end. You'll take your first quarterback and then, then we can have a better discussion from it. So, I mean, it's obviously there's nothing wrong with that strategy anyway, either. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to do something smart, but it's, it's fun to try these things, especially, you know, before the AFC championship game is even played. <laughs> Just like, why, why not take some risks? I'm basically Hugh Jackman from The Greatest Showman, just singing my way through life. That's right. Adam, Josh Allen went right after Patrick Mahomes. Is this where these quarterbacks belong? Yeah. There should be a bigger gap between Allen and Murray and Jackson. You know what I mean? So, But, yeah, it's it's fun. I, I, I considered Allen there for a half a second. I just don't take quarterbacks – and I needed a running back. Like you said, you were you were struggling with Mahomes. So there was no struggle for me. I almost got the haircut after I picked Mahomes for this one. <laughs> Jared, we talked to a bunch of guys last week about the the what I missed, and we talked oh. to several of our guests about quarterbacks going earlier and it being it, it being appropriate for them to go earlier in drafts. What do you think about where quarterbacks are going right now? You know, we'll get to it. One of my one of the picks I'd like back. I, I wish I got one of the and, and I count like nine elite quarterbacks, elite fantasy quarterbacks, I'd, I'd like to get one of, you know, obviously starting with the homes and our, our draft, Justin Herbert was the last one off the board in about the mid seventh round. So I wish I could have landed one of those guys. I think the fourth round is a right spot for Mahomes. I think, you know, he's has added value for you since you already had Tyree kill. I, I, I liked the pick for you. I, I, I still think there should be a bit of a gap between Mahomes and Josh Allen. I'm slowly coming around on Josh Allen, but I'm not quite ready to say, you know, he should be going, back-to-back alongside Patrick Mahomes quite yet. After Mahomes and Allen, it was CeeDee Lamb. It was Mark Andrews as that third tight – no, fourth tight end off the board. I got to get used to Darren Waller's new place in in this game. Uh, Mark Andrews, the fourth tight end in the middle of round four. Julio Jones in the middle of round four. We'll talk about new places for guys. And then Amari Cooper to Jared's team. Jared, were you hoping that Julio Jones was going to get to you there? Or was it like, I hope somebody else takes Julio Jones so that I don't have to bet he's got to bounce back? I honestly don't remember if like he was in my queue, if he was on my right. I'm, I'm sure I would have considered him. I um, mean, you know, he, he obviously worries me. He's going to, I think he's going to be 32 by the time this coming season starts. He's obviously had plenty of injury issues. He he was still awesome though, when he was on the field last season, both from a fantasy production standpoint, if you look at something like yards per route run, you know, he was still in the top 10 in the league. So I, I think, I think he's still going to produce as a top 12 guy when he's on the field, but I do think you have to expect him to miss some games. Um, I love Amari Cooper. I always have Cowboys offense is one I want to buy into with Dak Prescott coming back. I mean, that passing game was you know probably going to set records if Dak hadn't got hurt last season. CD lamb going ahead of Cooper. is not crazy. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If CD lamb outscores Cooper this coming season, I'm still going to go with Amari Cooper though. We've seen it a bit longer. He has more rapport with Dak Prescott. Um, and Cooper always in best ball, like, you know, he, he's a frustrating guy when you're setting lineups, but he, he just has some massive games every season. Yeah. I would take Cooper ahead of lamb as well, because they, they, we don't have an age issue there. We don't have a playing time issue. Although there were some weeks where his uh, snap counts were a little iffy. I wouldn't be shocked. Like you said, if lamb outscores him, but I, I would be taking Amari Cooper first. And really it's not even one of those situations. I don't think where I would say some drafts, I'm going to take lamb first. some drafts. I'll take Cooper first. I think Cooper's going to be, 
pretty comfortably in front of Lamb when I end up projecting them. What about you, Jared? I think they're going to be close again because, I mean, I think, you know, Lamb was an elite prospect and nothing we saw last season should change our minds there. I also think Cooper is an elite, was an elite prospect. He's been a very, very good wide receiver throughout his NFL career so far. I, I, I think they both belong in, in the fourth round. Again, I think drafting pieces of that Cowboys passing game, I, you can't really go wrong, assuming Dak gets healthy. Dad is there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm basically assuming he's going to be there. I'd, I'd be, I don't know. I mean, Jerry Jones just does, does some crazy things, but I'd be surprised if they let him get away. TJ Hawkins in the fifth tight end off the board right after the Cooper pick. Then Terry McLaurin to Mike's team with DJ Moore, Robert Woods closing out round four. Mike, any decision there between T- Terry McLaurin and the other guys? I wanted Hawkinson, and I thought, you know, I had a pretty good chance. I thought that would have been fun to do two tight ends like that. You see it in these drafts at the turn with uh, Kittle and Andrews last year, tandems like that. And I think Hawkinson is uh, a great play. And with the coaching change and everything, I think that's good for him too. I think he'll, he'll go into the season as their number one receiving target, maybe. Like, what does Detroit want to be? So I was going to do that. I think this group of wide receivers, it's funny that they went in a row because I didn't want to have to pick one from that group. That's, pr- that's pretty much the group. Um, I think I would have left Woods out, but otherwise – yeah, like those were the names, and I just chose McLaurin because I think if they get, sorry, a real quarterback in there, like somebody that can put up numbers, I think he's really in, in a great position. He's a super player. Yeah, and that string of receivers that you're talking about, McLaurin, DJ Moore, Robert Woods. Then we had T. Higgins, Kenny Galladay, Brandon Ayuk, six in a row among wideouts to round that turn from round four to round five. Uh, anybody for you, Adam, that doesn't belong quite in that range yet? No, I, th- I think they're all pretty pretty much priced fairly. I think once Galladay finds a finds a home, I think that'll affect, I think he'll move the most. I think out of these guys, he could move up a round or two. He could move maybe down a round. He's super talented, so it depends on kind of where he goes, where he or where he signs. Um, he's my favorite, probably talent wise, out of that group. DJ Moore is still su- super young. You know, I think there's going to be a little more room for growth there. So I don't, if Curtis Samuel doesn't come back, I think that's more targets for DJ Moore. So I like that. I, you know, I like all those guys there. It just kind of depends on at this point in the season, what you're looking for. I think maybe the biggest, the lowest ceiling there might be Robert Woods. You know, he's, I don't know how old he is, but I feel like he's, he's due for kind of a, a decrease. I, I don't really have any, anything to back that up, but um, <laughs> the, the other guys are younger and kind of more explosive. I think Woods is going to be fine. I think you know, this is about where he should be drafted. And you, you, if you, you know, if you follow us or listen to us last year, you know, we were all about Robert Woods. If, if these are the prices that between Woods in the fourth and Cooper cup in the sixth, I'm flipping, I'm going to Cooper cup th- this coming season. I think they're still yeah. close in value. The touchdown luck completely shifted to Robert Woods last year after, you know, he was the unlucky one in that department and cup scored all the touchdowns in 2019. So again, I think they should be going in the same area. I'm not sure where their ADPs are, but I think in this draft, cup was the much better value and frankly if they start if they're going consistently in this range i can see starting with a couple of running backs and then in this area trying to get woods and cup and then matthew stafford to stack i think that's a potential value trio after that in round five brandon Ayuk was your round five pick right mike yeah and similar to these other young receivers of mine and dobbins too i feel like just i'm excited about that crop and also, a unknown is San Francisco at quarterback. Maybe we think we know it's Garoppolo, but he had some huge production there. And, you know, that team, 
they didn't have their guys on the field together very often with Debo and, and with Kittle. Like they weren't really, well, they were able to stay on the field, but Ayuk showed, showed a lot there and um, I was happy to have him there. I don't think, I might've, I might've considered Lamar Jackson there, but I, I think I wanted to wait because quarterbacks, I, I'm happy how that turned out. We'll get to it later, but with Watson in the seventh, uh, I'm glad I waited. Kyler Murray followed Brandon Ayuk here, and then Jared Odell Beckham at 5.05, and the way other drafts are going, it sounds like he could have waited a, another round, maybe even two, and had a shot at him. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I actually took him in the seventh in the other draft I'm in now. Um, I think this is about where he should be going, though. I mean, there, there's risk of the guy coming off an ACL, obviously, but, man, he, I still think he is a big-time talent, and you know that, that Browns offense got going. Really, you know, after Beckham got hurt, and I don't think that's why they got going. I just think it was Baker kind of settled into the new offense. They'll, they'll be back in Stefanski's scheme this coming season. So, um, yeah, some risk, but I also think you know Beckham could return like second or third round value if he's if he's truly healthy. Yeah, we're not that far removed from when he was the pretty easy number one consensus dynasty wide receiver. So right. anytime from round five on, I don't think you can make an argument against taking a shot. And it, it's surprising that he's dipped as low as he has, I think, in ADP. I think people are kind of forgetting what Odell Beckham is when he's healthy and playing well. Lamar Jackson followed Beckham here. Javante Williams, another running back, uh, another rookie running back off the board in the middle of round five. You know, we'll talk more about them as we get into dynasty prospect profile season. I don't know a whole lot about Javante Williams uh, yet, but I do know that he seems like an intriguing player. Chase Claypool followed him, Kareem Hunt. And then I took Ronald Jones. And I'm honestly, I don't think I feel great about it. I think it's okay. It didn't need a running back. So there was a little bit of picking for need here. But looking at it now, should I have gone ahead and taken Adam Thielen? Probably. Or Deontay Johnson? Probably. We'll see what happens with the Bucs. I took Ronald Jones thinking that at the moment, he's probably the best bet to be the Bucs carry leader for 2021. This draft was before, it was at least before the Super Bowl, right? Like I, yeah. I think when you made that pick, I think there was, it seemed like a better chance that Jones was the Bucs guy in 2021. It still seems iffy whether or not they bring Fournette back. Um, you know, I think it's going to depend on price. I'm still a fan of Ronald Jones, obviously a fan of that offense. I think it's a, it was a fine pick. Yeah, I like Ronald Jones. I mean, I think he's better than Fournette, not that that matters at all. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they're going to use – Arians is going to use whoever he wants. After Jones, it was Adam Thielen. Then at the turn, it was Deontay Johnson, DJ Chark to Adam's team. I think that's a good range to take shots on both of those guys. More of a shot on DJ Chark. Deontay Johnson's coming off a good season. There's lots to talk about the drops, but he had a very productive season. Yeah, I was I was kind of shocked to see him there because I'm not super high on him. But he so I got him as the wide receiver 26. His ADP is the wide receiver 23. So I got him a little bit later there. And um, again, I wasn't planning on taking all these receivers, but I just was kind of going best player available at this point in you know, in January um, and just kind of seeing how everything shakes out, you know, if Juju leaves, which I think he will be, be gone again, there's even more targets for Deontay Johnson. Um, so he can, he can afford to drop three more a game, you know, and still put up fantasy numbers. So, um, and, and then, and then DJ Chark, you know, I loved him coming out of college, super talented. I think, you know, that they're going to take a quarterback. It's probably going to be Trevor Lawrence. And just the thought of having a, a talented guy like Chark, with uh, with Lawrence, who can really sling the ball downfield, I'm I'm super excited to watch that that, that tandem. Yeah, spoiler alert, but Adam's second running back doesn't come until round ten in this <laughs> draft. 
Um, Jared, are we going to have to argue about Deontay Johnson versus Chase Claypool in our 2021 wide receiver rankings? I think I'm off both of them right now. I, you know, a week ago, I was convinced Ben was back in Pittsburgh, but the way the front <laughs> office is talking about him, I don't know if they want him back. And you know, that, that, it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation, obviously, a guy who's been there that long and, and won Super Bowls. But I, I think the Steelers see that he is kind of done. And the contract is brutal. So, and and what is it right now? It's 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 Mason Rudolph still behind him on the depth chart. They don't have a high first round pick. So, I I have some quarterback concerns in Pittsburgh. I I liked Adams DJ Chark pick at this turn better than the Deontay Johnson pick because I do think Chark is a pretty easy bounce back candidate with the big upgrade at quarterback coming in Jacksonville. Jameis Winston could be a nice answer to that question if Roethlisberger does move on. Russell Wilson was the next quarterback off the board here at the second pick around six. That makes him the fifth quarterback off the board in this draft. I took Chris Carson at 6.03. I needed a running back. I think Carson is probably going to land in Seattle again. He is headed for free agency, but it sounds like they want him back. So, you know, we'll see. There's some risk. But I think if he re-signs with the Seahawks, he's going to jump to round four, round three, and ADP probably. A.J. Dillon followed him off the board. He was absolutely not a consideration for me right there. I would have picked Dillon. Yeah. And that's yes. – my whole team is second-year guys and and Travis Kelsey and a couple of quarterbacks. I don't know. I just um, – I don't know about Carson in Seattle, Matt. Not, I, I've been hearing different, but who knows Man. what to believe, you know, at this time of year. I mean, I, on one day, Albert Breer was telling us that the Bears were the front runner for Wentz, and then he was traded to Indianapolis today, and Breer said the Bears never made an offer. <laughs> um, I, I think Seattle is willing to let Carson walk, but he's the type of guy that I think is going to hit the open market. And at his, you know, at his age, he's like, what, 27 or something. But for a running back, that's past peak. And his injury history, I don't think he's going to find big offers. So I kind of think he ends up, you know, settling to return to Seattle. Even if he doesn't, you know, he, he probably lands somewhere where he's at least, you know, a, the better half of a committee. So Just as, long, as long as it's yeah. not the Chargers. <laughs> not, not the Chargers, exactly. Because he, he is kind of a good complimentary idea to Eckler. Like if, if he ended yeah. up not being a number one for somebody – I don't think that's a bad fit, but I don't I don't I don't need to scare you. That's just there's no reason to talk like that. All right. Anybody well, else like AJ Dillon besides Mike in this spot? Well, what happens to Aaron Jones? Like what, right. what are we hearing about that? Does just, he stay? I just don't think I don't think it matters. It, it, obviously, if Aaron Jones stays, then it hurts AJ Dillon. If he goes, I think they get somebody else. I just don't think AJ Dillon is that good. I think he's a 1980s running back in 2021. Would you ever draft them both? Well, sure, but not this early. I, I guess next round I could see A.J. Dillon. I, I wouldn't stack them right now. I, well, I guess I would stack them because, you know, I say that thinking if they don't end up teammates, then it's not really a stack that makes sense. But if they don't end up being teammates, that probably helps Dillon. So then I have Aaron Jones starting somewhere else that ostensibly likes him better than Green Bay does. Maybe I get two starting running backs out of it. So, yeah, I can see stacking them. Uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan's not a bad pick at this point. I don't mean to overplay it. I'm kind of, I'm half joking about him at this point, but I do think that he's a limited player, and I don't think that he's going to be a workhorse for anybody. Yeah, I think, I think, like Adam said a few minutes ago, it really doesn't matter what we think about AJ Dylan. I think the Packers are pretty high on him. I mean, they took him in the second round. It was the very end of the second round, but yeah, that's still, barely played. Yeah, I mean, that's still pretty big draft capital for a running back. Jones is someone I could see getting priced out of Green Bay's plans. And if Jones signs elsewhere, I think Dylan like pretty instantly becomes like a fourth round pick. Yeah, and, and I would probably be off him there too. I hope I hope that happens. I'm yeah, I'm just saying. I think the, whoever took him in the sixth year, 
um, will end up getting value if Jones doesn't return to the Packers. Yeah, I think it's a fine spot to take a shot on him, but I'm not taking A.J. Dillon ahead of Miles Gaskin and Melvin Gordon. Why do we hate, just for the record, why the hate for A.J. Dillon? So I keep hearing, is it that he can't catch passes or that they no one's throwing him the ball? Because Eddie Lacy, we always compare to Eddie Lacy because he's this massive running back that plays for the Packers. But Eddie Lacy, it's not like he was beating guys deep. I mean, he was going up a yard, turning around, catching a dump off, and running people over. So I think when you spend three years as the workhorse running back and on a college team and they decide to not throw you the ball, that tells me that it's uh, probably an issue. Coaches do dumb things all the time. Yeah, I don't know. It certainly could be the case. Maybe he catches 30 passes next year. Maybe he catches 50. Maybe they, maybe Boston College just decided, uh, guys, we don't want to throw him the ball through the air because you see how big his thighs are. We're just going to have <laughs> every single play, and that's why we have wide receivers on this team. Personally, I but you also can't say he's going to catch this many passes because now he's in the NFL. I haven't sure. seen it, so I'm not yeah. going to assume it'll happen. I'm closer to Adam's side there. I think that he probably can do it if they let him. I, I want to say, though, it, it, it's amazing that Dylan carried 300 times as a freshman at Boston College and caught zero passes. That's an incredible stat line, 300 carries and zero catches. That's what makes it incredible to me to believe in his pass-catching ability at this point. But <laughs> we'll see. It's all guessing at this point. Noah Fant followed him off the board here. Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Lockett, then Dallas Goddard in the middle around six uh, to Jared. He's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh tight end off the board. Seems appropriate at this point. I think that we're probably going to see Zach Ertz go elsewhere this offseason. Yeah, that's what I'm banking on. Um, you know, some quarterback questions in Philly. I know Goddard, you know, didn't put up huge numbers with Jalen Hurts there. I, I just, I, I believe in the talent there. And if Hurts is gone, the volume should be there. Th- this is the pick I'd want back, though. Not not because I don't like Goddard in a vacuum. I, I actually think, you know, Mike mentioned wanting to take TJ Hawkinson in the fourth round. I, I, I think Hawkinson really belongs in the same area as Goddard and Noah Fan. I think those three guys, you know, I think they're going to come out pretty similar in projections and in, in, in my rankings at least. Um, so I, I think Hawkinson to me is more like a, a sixth rounder. But I, I wish I had taken Dak Prescott here just to, to get, again, get that upper echelon quarterback. And he would have been a stack with uh, Amari Cooper for me. I, it's, I, I see Goddard and Hawkinson close together. I think Fant has a whole lot more target competition than those other guys. I don't think he's going to be, I think he's going to be pretty easily behind them for me. I just, I just don't think he is like an elite tight end prospect. We haven't seen elite production yet, but I think he has that you know potential in him. Cooper cup, Cortland Sutton, Tyler Boyd, Dak Prescott closed out round six. Mike, any thoughts on Cortland Sutton, your pick there? Love him. Very similar to round four. I would have taken Goddard here too. I was I was ready to do that, and then Jared did that. So just get the, the wide receivers here are amazing. The AJ Dillon points are all well taken. What are your other choices at that position, right? Like just everybody here, Gaskin, for instance, who even knows if he plays at all? Like there's just there's questions about everybody when you get to running back at this point. And in in, in terms of wide receiver, Sutton could be what? I mean, sky's the limit. So it's the end of round six. And I was very happy with that. But Goddard would have been my choice if he were available for the other reasons. Too tight end. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, obviously what we're going to have to watch is the ACL recovery for Sutton. But, I mean, this is certainly late enough, I think, to take a shot on that. Around the turn in round seven, we had Miles Gaskin to start that round. Then a, a bunch of, of quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Melvin Gordon sandwich, sandwiched in between Burrow and Justin Herbert there. Gaskin, I don't really know what to make of, as you kind of alluded to, Mike. 
he he came out of nowhere last year. He did look the part when he had the part. We'll see what Miami chooses to do with that backfield. Maybe Gaskin is the leader come the fall. Maybe he's not, and they drafted somebody around two to pass him on the depth chart. You know, that's the issue with drafting this early in the year. But I think round seven is late enough to take a shot on a guy like that. Yeah, it's fine. A lot of things are possible with the Dolphins. Like they could do free agency. They could do the draft. They have lots of picks. Teams with lots of picks seem to more easily justify the running back uh, as one as one of them. So that, w- that was Jonathan Taylor, maybe, what, from picks they got from the Jets for uh, Darnold. Does, does that add up? I don't know. But I, I think I, I would not want to be betting on Gaskin because I just think he's kind of like a Robinson, James Robinson situation where they don't have a lot invested and they might think that to help their quarterback, especially as well, that somebody knew – Maybe maybe it's Aaron Jones. You know, some some kind of signing like that could be uh, big for them. I'm not totally comfy with him in this range, but you know, if somebody says I like Miles yeah. Gaskin at 701, I I can't argue against that. Joe Burrow to me is the guy in this range at quarterback. I I, I don't like it because he's coming off a double ligament tear in his knee, and I'm gonna go back and look at the the ACL quarterbacks that we have seen come back so that I can see if a you know if it makes sense for me to be wary of him, but. Round seven for me is just too early to trust a guy coming off that kind of injury in an offense we already talked about. We don't trust. And, you know, he was, he played well as a rookie before going down, but he also wasn't dominating fantasy wise. I think he put up two weeks of 24 plus fantasy points in the time that he was on the field before the injury. I just don't understand taking him ahead of Herbert, who, you know, doesn't have a, a shredded knee and was just better from a fantasy standpoint. I think, you know, he's going to give you more rushing, especially with Burrow coming off the knee injury. Um, again, Chargers offense is one I'm high on. It's another spot here where I really could have taken Justin Herbert. But man, I, I actually love my Melvin Gordon pick in the seventh round. I, I think he's like maybe like the key to basketball drafts right now if he's going in the seventh round. And he is because I took him again in the seventh round in the draft I'm doing right now. If you look at his contract, he, he's he's not going anywhere. Philip Lindsay, I think he's a restricted free agent. He might be, he might be unrestricted. Right. And there's a restricted, chance. Restricted is right. Mm-hmm. Restricted, yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of think he'll be back. But he, even if he is, you know, Gordon alongside Lindsay was like, you know, he was not exciting last year, but he was a rock solid RB2. He was like 16th, I think, in, in fantasy points. He was around 20th in points per game. I, I think he's going to be similar. If Lindsay leaves, then, you know, you got more volume coming Gordon's way. He's not like a guy we have to worry about falling off the cliff yet. I, th- I think he's like 27 years old. So, again, not exciting. But in the seventh round, if you're looking for, in my case, a running back three, if you if you were like Adam and you started wide receiver heavy with a tight end, you know, he could be a running back two. And I think you just feel safe with him because he's a guy that's going to get, you know, 15 plus touches every game. It was Ronald Jones, Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon that I was looking at at those five, six turns. And I think that's where Melvin Gordon belongs. So I agree that he's a value here. You know, we'll see if something crazy happens in terms of his role in that backfield. But in the middle of round seven, there's not a whole lot of risk to that. He'll be playing somewhere. Justin Herbert did follow him, then Will Fuller, then Mike Jasucki, then Jarvis Landry, and then Evan Ingram was my first tight end late in round seven. I mean, I think that he's going to be a value in these drafts. He's going toward the bottom of the top 12, even though he ranked fourth at the position in targets last season. Uh, Melvin Gordon, don't like him, but love him at the 20. You know, I think he went as the 20-something running back taken. Middle of the seventh round, his ADP's at 610. So, yeah, you can't go wrong there. I would have loved to have him as my RB2 here at the end of the seventh. But, uh, but yeah, back to back to Ingram, super, super talented. You know, he's just he's got to stay healthy, you know, and they got to utilize him more on vertical routes, which 
we know that, right? But the coaches, you know, they want to just do little little hitches and little drags with with elite athletes. So it doesn't matter what what we think. Uh, Hunter Henry off the board after Evan Engram, and then at the turn, Adam was like, "Give me some rookie wide receivers to go on my wide receiver heavy roster here." Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, talk to us, Adam. Yeah, I found out after my Devontae Smith pick that this was not a a dynasty league. So I I kind of want to go back and and give those picks up. But no, I love Jamar Chase. You know, I don't know how much of these guys I'm going to end up with, you know, all season drafting. So I like the upside there. It's exciting to kind of see where they get taken on on, on draft night because um, it'll affect. This was my first draft. It certainly won't be my last draft before the NFL draft. I like them both there. I think Chase is a stud. Smith, I think it depends on where where he goes. Yeah, I guess I have to kind of wait and see what you guys have to say about Chase and Smith because you guys are the, are the NFL draft next there. <laughs> Well, Jared's the wide receiver guy, so I would look his way. I haven't actually dug in, started doing profiles yet, but you know, two more guys I've seen plenty of. Deva- I mean, Devontae Smith La- last year, writing up and watching Alabama games to do Henry Ruggs and Jared Judy. Every freaking Bama game I watched, I was like, Devontae Smith looked like their best wide receiver. And the, the knock against Devontae Smith is that he came back for a senior season, which yeah, kind of sucks. But it's not like he didn't do anything prior to this past season. Again, I, I thought he was Alabama's best receiver last year as a junior playing alongside Jared Judy and Henry Ruggs, who both went, you know, top 20 in the NFL draft. So it looks like Chase and Smith are going to be like top 10 picks. I mean, you know, that's kind of all you need to know that they're going to be handed big roles right out of the gate, just, just because of the draft capital alone. And then again, I think they both have the talent to make immediate impacts. And you drafted Waddle yourself. I did who I'm not nearly as high on, but I also took him like five rounds later. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we'll get to him. There was a tight end run here, starting with the Mike Jasucki pick. Then there was Ingram that I mentioned, Hunter Henry, Robert Tunyon, Hayden Hurst, Logan Thomas around the turn, Kyle Pitts, Austin Hooper, all of those guys in round eight. It's it's a sensible range, I think, for there to be a tight end run and for you to be even maybe looking for your first tight end. I doubled up on Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst here. I think Hayden Hurst is a nice value at this point as well. I mentioned so about Ingram, but I mean, Hurst was fine for the Falcons last year, and he's the kind of guy who could find some more TD luck than he got last season. So nothing uh, not, nothing big to say beyond that, but I, I think it's a, a range he belongs in. He's been going later than this in other drafts, so you might even be able to get him a little bit later than that. I like Hurst a lot. Um, second year with Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith, they're now calling the shots, a former tight end coach. Um, I know – Johnu Smith was frustrating in Tennessee. You know, he, he lost too many targets to Anthony Ferkser and McCall Pruitt and all his other guys. We'll see if Atlanta adds another tight end that could, you know, kind of vulture Hayden Hurst. But as of now, there's no one else there. I think Arthur Smith could make Hurst a, a bigger part of that passing game than he was last season. Logan Thomas, Kenyon Drake, Marquise Brown, Kyle Pitts, and then Jerry Judy to Jared's team, which is probably a pick that I could have predicted before this thing started. Yeah, just a guy I think is an elite was an elite prospect was honestly mostly disappointing as a rookie, you know, played with drew lock. That still might be an issue this coming season. We'll see what Denver does at quarterback, but you know, it's just a bet on talent in the eighth round. One of three Alabama receivers on your roster. I'm just now noticing, by the way, hey, dra- drafting Bama receivers is not, not, not a bad thing. Uh, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if the Raiders agree with you right now, but we'll, we'll see. About yeah, they, they took the wrong one. Robbie Anderson after that, and Robbie Anderson might be underrated at this point. We'll kind of see how things shake out in Carolina, quarterback-wise, where Curtis Samuel lands in free agency. And then, team midlife crisis, Mike took LaVisca Chenault with his next pick right here. Another young guy, Mike. Why not? I mean, that that offense should be – it's a, a lot of the Chark argument that Adam made 
it, it should be different, hopefully improved, and you know, a great a great talent in Chenault. So, you know, in terms of positions, I didn't get Hawkinson who I wanted. I didn't get Goddard who I wanted. I still don't like any of the running backs here. So that's where I ended up. After Chenault, Austin Hooper, Chase Edmonds, then we're into round nine. Debo Samuel, Leonard Fournette, Zach Moss. Zach Moss was your pick, Mike. Leonard yeah. Fournette, I think, who knows? We'll see what happens with him this offseason. But I think that's certainly a decent spot to take him, especially in case he lands back with the Bucks after closing things out pretty nicely for them. Yeah, I mean, what a performance in the postseason. He might have won himself a job with those with those games. That one run against Green Bay was really nice. But I'm doubling down on Moss, and nobody seems to agree with me on this. I, I don't know. L- last year, he was my Bills play, and that went completely wrong. I mean, they ended up being this prolific passing offense, as we know, that they had not been since the early 90s. And Moss was pretty much meaningless in, in fantasy. So now what do they do? There's focus on running game. Do they draft somebody? Maybe. But I, I don't have any evidence that they don't think Moss is, you know, useful. Like they just were so efficient throwing the ball downfield that it didn't really come to that. I mean, I, I don't think there's really high end when it comes to touchdowns on that team because of Allen, but maybe I'm in the minority. I, I would be surprised if they gave up on on Moss. I think they'd, they'd be likelier to do that with Singletary, mm-hmm. who ended up on the bench in the AFC Championship for TJ Yeldon. Yeah. So I, I still think like there's Moss, there's potential for him only one year in the league, and it's a good offense. That adds up for me. I still like the upside of Moss as well. If they don't draft a running back within the first at least two rounds, we'll say round three could be kind of yeah. depend on where they make that selection. But if they don't take a running back by the end of round two, then I really like Zach Moss. And again, we'll see what happens beyond that in the draft. I think if it's him and Devin Singletary and then some day three pick, then I'll really like the upside on Zach Moss heading into 2021. I'd be surprised if if Zach Moss – Kind of like Mike said, I think Singletary might be the odd man out if they add a running back through free agency or through through the draft. Um, I think we've seen what Singletary can do or or can't do. Moss, you know, didn't really have an off season uh, last year. Rookie hurt early in the year, uh, so I think he does have a shot. Again, the Bills running backs, like you said, there 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 isn't a ton of value there, anyways. You know, they're not gonna they don't get the touchdowns, they don't get to get the catches. But if Moss ends up being the Bills' number one back in the ninth round. No, you could certainly do do worse. Right. He's the first one drafted here. I was between Moss and Damian Harris, by the way. If I remember right, their ADPs were about the same. Maybe Harris was even higher. And so I chose Moss and then got Harris two rounds later anyway. Two guys who are the running back ones on their teams at the moment. I'd be surprised if Buffalo spends another day two pick on a running back when they've done it the past two seasons. And I think with Moss, you kind of have two outs. Like one, he either kind of dispatches Singletary and becomes a, the clear lead guy or, you know, Buffalo maybe just runs it a bit more. They were so pass heavy last season. If they just run it a bit more, you know, even if Moss is still the one, a ahead of Singletary that helps. And th- to speak to Mike's touchdown point, it's, it's easy to say like Moss isn't going to score touchdowns, but those are so volatile. Like he could easily just take three of the touchdowns that Josh Allen either threw or ran this past season. And then, you know, he, he leaps like 15 spots up the you know final running back rankings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point, Josh Allen is not going to score eight rushing touchdowns in a season. I don't know when that point's going to be, but at some point it's going to happen. Not soon. Devonte Parker was next. Brandon cooks, then Irv Smith and Zach Ertz in the middle of round nine. And by the way, our, our boy, Kevin English, 
uh, took Lamar Jackson, and then two rounds later, Justin Herbert, and then three straight tight ends. So you can say what you want about strategy. That's one of the things about this draft is you can look at other people's rosters and be like, well, this guy's not going to take a tight end this turn. <laughs> they might. People do crazy things in this in these drafts, and I'm not even saying three tight ends in round eight, nine, ten is all that crazy. But you never know for sure what your league mates are going to do with their picks in, in these drafts. Irv Smith, Zach Ertz, then it was Raheem Mostert, Naheem Hines, Kenneth Gainwell, Ryan Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence to close out round nine. Gainwell was my pick. I don't know a whole lot about him yet. He had an excellent he had an excellent junior or sophomore season, I guess it was, in 2019 before opting out in 2020. That excellent season came with Antonio Gibson also on the roster, as well as I believe it was Patrick Taylor who ended up landing with the Packers as an undrafted free agent. Gainwell was the clear lead ball carrier over those guys um, for that Memphis team. So I think there's upside to him. He's He can catch passes. I think in round nine, I, I liked him as a third running back. Memphis has become a running back factory. Right? Daryl Henderson, Pollard. Tony Pollard, yeah. yeah. Tony Pollard. D'Angelo, D'Angelo Williams. Yeah, that was, yeah that, was, that was before they became a factory. Probably. It was, it was pre-factory, but they were still they were still headed together enough for them to send out cars to Heisman voters because I was one of them. One day at work, I got a, like a model car, you know, nice with D'Angelo D'Angelo Williams Heisman hype from Memphis. Nice. So um, was that was, was that me. a replica of the car that they gave him to come there? Is that is that, what <laughs> that, was? that wasn't written in the in the copy. <laughs> So it was a factory. They were just hand-cranking the machines. It wasn't automatic at that point. Ryan Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence closed out round nine. Trevor Lawrence, the first quarterback for Adam Crowder's team in round nine. And then around the turn in round 10, we did get that second running back, and it was Tony Pollard for you, Adam. Would you do anything different after looking back on this uh, 10-round start? Yeah. Like I said, I would probably pass on Kittle for a, a running back. And then maybe taking my my Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase pick and turned it into Hayden Hurst, you know, something something like that. But other than that, I'm I'm, I'm happy with it. I got some guys that I that I like. Pollard was just a. I've been taking Tony Pollard for for years. If he feels like in this exact same spot, waiting and waiting patiently. So maybe this will be the year where where Pollard finally finally pays off. He's the but best yeah, running back they have. Right. Listen, you said it. Okay, uh, I I completely agree, but yeah, I think I end up going with a with essentially a zero RB team, and you can't really abandon it right in the middle of it. You kind of got to go all out with it, and that's pretty much what I did. Heavy receiver, you know, running backs, these kind of handcuffed running backs a little, little later on, and um, you know, took Trevor Lawrence. I don't remember I don't remember what quarterback he was, but and then I just loaded up on some more, some more quarterbacks after that, and I think I'll be all right there. Yeah, I think it was eleven or twelve in this draft. Then we had. Michael Gallup, Jamison Crowder, Curtis Samuel, Michael Pittman Jr., Tom Brady, Cole Komet, the third of those three tight ends to Kevin English. Matt Ryan went to Jared's team in round 10. Denzel Mims, Matthew Stafford, David Johnson, Kirk Cousins to close out that round. Uh, We mentioned the Matthew Stafford trade happened after this draft. Mike, you probably feel better about Stafford at this point than you did when you drafted him, huh? Yeah, I think you have to. And I'm curious to see if Marvin Jones goes out there uh, as well, or what else they do for Stafford, but I loved it for this. You know, you, you mentioned how there's no predicting strategy. Who, who are you drafting with? It's it's 35 bucks for guys that are just like, you know, I, I mean this in a nice way, junkies for it. So <laughs> people are going to try th- in January. So, so people are going to try all kinds of different strategies in these things, I think. I mean, this is my first year doing it so early, uh, but you know, 
Quarterback for me worked out great. Watson and Stafford, and then later Zach Wilson, where I sniped uh, Jared. Sure did. Jared sure crossed did. over your Deshaun Watson pick. I mean, I think where you got him, one of the better value picks at quarterback in the draft. And then, yes, yeah, St- Stafford, you got, you got lucky there. I'm not going to give you too much credit. Um, no, yeah. he, I did get lucky, but we knew by then that he was going somewhere. True. Yep. And that was going to be to a team that wanted to win. Like that was sort of understood by that point. I didn't, we didn't yep. know it was going to be the Rams, but I, I thought uh, it was likely he would be traded. Yep. That's fair. Jared, you said that you would have gone back. If you could go back, you would have taken Dak Prescott in round six. Other than that, um, you know, not having that, is there any other spot where you would have gone back and taken your first quarterback or, you know, absent the Dak pick? Are you fine with Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield as your top two? I'm fine. I'm a little nervous about it because I think there, there's a chance that Matt Ryan loses his job if, if they take a quarterback at, at four. We, we always say that, you know, these guys, they might spend a, a season on the bench learning behind someone like Matt Ryan. But I don't know if, if they take someone at four. I, I guess if it's Trey Lance, who I think is easily the least NFL ready among the top four quarterback prospects, there's a chance that Ryan keeps his job this season. But I don't know. I, I think – if he plays 16 games, I love the value on Matt Ryan in the 10th round. But you know, th- there's risk there, and then you know, behind him, I only have Baker Mayfield and Trey Lance. So quarterback could be an issue for me at some point this this coming season. I think Matt Ryan is a value right now. I think if you take him, you take somebody else soon after you take him or soon before you take him just to ensure against uh, Matt Ryan getting benched. I, it's tough for me to imagine at this point the Falcons just sitting Matt Ryan down unless they're you know 3-10. and 10 and they have Zach Wilson or whatever behind him. But I would imagine that we'll get at least a half season of Matt Ryan. It's not like he was awful overall as a quarterback in general last year. So we'll stop going round by round at this point because we all have families. We have to end the show at some point. We'll kind of breeze through the, the the later portion of the draft. Favorite pick beyond round 10 on your own team. Adam, who's your favorite pick beyond round 10? John Ross as a, as a possible sleeper somewhere you know what i mean i think he's a speed speedy guy obviously and he has had flashes right he had, wasn't this last year but the year before with injuries he had a three or four game stretch there where he was uh absolutely insane um so yeah i think that's a shot you know a shot in the dark in the 23rd round where he could end up going somewhere so mike who's your favorite pick beyond round 10 on your team career highlight for me was being at work just looking at Twitter and seeing somebody say that Dwayne Eskridge was having a great senior ball. So then I just went to put him in my queue in this thing and he wasn't there. So I reached out to Chris Lambert and said, we got a problem. There's a guy, there's a guy we're talking about here that he's not even on the board. So within like five minutes, you know how great they are. Like it was, there he was. So that was a, that was a thrill Then I had to pick him at that point. I like Duvernay at the very like round 26, maybe for Baltimore. Third round pick. I mean, I, I mean, I don't understand why Baltimore is going to come back with the same Greg Roman, but Duvernay is good, and they just did not get him on. It was always Willie Sneed last year, so I don't know if that really changes or what his status is. But I think he could be for a team that doesn't have anything going well past Marquise Brown at wide receiver. I do like that, and then and then Wilson uh, also. I think that could be good. Well, hold on a minute. I texted Chris in the 13th round about Dwayne Eskridge. Never heard back. Okay. So I don't know. We're going to have <laughs> I have no idea who Dwayne Eskridge is. In five minutes, he was on the list. There you go. Perfect. Jared, who's your favorite post round 10 pick? I mentioned Trey Lance. Um, you know, he's obviously a, a dice roll. We don't know where he's going to land, how high he's going to get picked, if he's even going to play. But if he does, I, I think he could be on like the Kyler Murray spectrum, just as far as a 
runner goes you know, at the quarterback position. And we know how important that is. He had 1,100 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns back in 2019. He only played one game this past season. I believe it was because of COVID stuff. North Dakota State just didn't play. But uh, you know, 6'4", 226. I mean, he, he has all the tools. He's a, he's a toolsy guy. You know, he, he has everything. It's just, is he going to play this season? But if he does, um, I think he could be a fantasy factor right away just because of the rushing. I don't know. I think teams are going to be scared of North Dakota State quarterbacks now after the whole Carson Wentz blow up. Um, my own favorite pick on my team, round 16, Damian Williams. The Chiefs, ostensibly the Chiefs running back, opted out this past year. They liked him before. I think that if you have, if you're taking Clyde Edwards Elair in round two, you should be taking Damian Williams by like round 14 in these drafts because there's no risk to it. And We'll see, but my guess at this point would be that the Chiefs bring him back. I don't think some other team's going to bowl him over, and it's a low investment for them to keep a guy around that has produced for them. Pick that I wish I had back is Jimmy Garoppolo, because I took him with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston both still on the board. I think they're both higher upside guys, and they both could wind up starting this season. Maybe even Zach Wilson might have been a higher upside pick than Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I was doing the waiting thing after taking Patrick Mahomes in round four and seeing how long I could wait, I feel like Garoppolo was me just waiting a little bit too long to get that second quarterback, even for a Mahomes team. Jared, what yep. you got for the pick that you could take back? Anything besides uh, that Scott Dallas Goddard? Well, immediately after I took Dawson Knox, Mike started making me regret that pick. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, my, my thinking was obviously Bill's passing game, one you want to invest in. Um, I think John Brown is gone. Maybe Gabe Davis. I think Gabe Davis could just step into his role and you know basically soak up his volume. But if he doesn't, that would leave some more behind for Dawson Knox. But um, I don't know, Mike. I, I think Mike and Adam are not very high on Dawson Knox. I mean, he he has been more disappointing than not through his first two seasons. But we know it takes tight ends a little while to you know get going to settle in to the NFL. So I still think there's upside there. I think also the fact that I was able to get Chris Herndon around later. You know, I I, I could have gone elsewhere with that Knox pick and still been fine at tight end. I was reacting to what Brandon Bean said after the season, which was that they were not very threatening at that position. So it sounded to me like they wanted to address it. Knox is two years in the league. What will that mean for him? Is he going to be on the roster? You know, probably. And they they did use their tight ends. There was red zone action there for for those guys, including Knox. So it, it could be fine. It's very late. But I thought there were sort of some red flags coming from the team. Mike, is there any pick that you screwed up as badly as Jared did as Dawson Knox pick? No. no. uh not not even close but (laughs) i I, it for for me to i mean this was just fun and we're trying things in the late rounds you can't really get upset over anything right so that shouldn't even qualify maybe iuke you know maybe maybe in that spot i would have been better off i i love the argument jared made about gordon you know i think that's really good i mean i'm i'm long at these high ceiling wide receivers and if 80% 80% of them hit, including rugs, by the way. I don't know what that projects to be, but then I, I could be in great shape. But maybe I got – I went a little bit overboard there. I was really hoping to get that second tight end earlier. I end up on Jared Cook, and I don't know. Like, Kelsey better come through. Adam, you said this is not the only draft you've done already and more are coming. Who are you looking to as later round targets at this point, either from this draft or from what you've seen elsewhere? I'm going to mention a guy uh, on my team here that – that I think you were high on last year, Matt. Um, just a guy late round. I mean, this 26th round, but Tyler Johnson, right? So if Godwin's gone, look out because he he did his thing. 
And like I said, I drafted him in a couple leagues last year, sight unseen, just listening to you and uh, Jared talk about him, but mostly you, Matt. And I, and I think he's, he showed out. He could be a guy there, you know, if he can get on Brady's good side and, and do some things. So that's, that's kind of a guy in these early February best balls that I'm going to be taking in round 26 every time. Yeah, no risk to him down there. Jared, what about you, late round targets? So a couple guys, I think Michael Pittman is interesting, and he's more interesting now that, you know, their their quarterback situation is settled. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about Carson Wentz in Indy. We'll see. But, I mean, the, the guy had three pretty solid NFL seasons. He's, you know, not even 30 yet. He's reuniting with Frank Reich. So I, I think the quarterback situation will at least be fine there. And Michael Pittman's a guy they just took early in round two. The, the Colts took Michael Pittman before they took Jonathan Taylor last year. So I think that yeah. tells you how high – they were and probably still are on him. So like Pittman, I, I mentioned Gabe Davis. Um, I, I like him as a target a lot. Again, investing in the Bills passing game. I think John Brown's going to be gone at his age and his salary. And I think Davis showed a lot as a rookie. I think he can, you know, fill that that deep role that, you know, they had and, and wanted John Brown to play. And then the last guy I'll mention, um, Rashad Penny, if Chris Carson does leave Seattle, I know Penny's been disappointing. He's coming off injury again, but I mean, they took him in the first freaking round, which was crazy at the time, and it still is. But I think they want to get some return on their investment. So I think there's a chance he's the lead back for you know what is going to be a run-heavy offense, I think. One thing that bothers me is Pete Carroll has said that he would like to bring Carlos Hyde back <laughs> this offseason. Pete Carroll says a lot of things. I know. That's the thing that bothers me. <laughs> you never know what to take and what to throw away. I mean, where did where did Penny even go in this draft? I mean, in the 13th round. I mean, that's 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 still that's I, I would you know gladly take Penny in the 13th round right now. Yeah, solid range. Mike, have you found yourself gravitating toward any later round targets in your multiple drafts at this point? Not really too many guys too specifically or too often, but I, I think Paris Campbell is interesting. I think you know he's somebody for the same reasons as Pittman. Maybe he's forgotten a little bit uh with Indianapolis. I mentioned uh Duvernay. I think that could be that's really you know, in a regular redraft, I don't think you're ever going to need to draft him until we get closer to the season and it sounds different. I think Penny makes sense. I think one guy I drafted here in this is Keyshawn Vaughn. Again, I'm going to a guy who was just, you know, going into his second year, but I feel like there could be an opening for him uh, in Tampa. If Fournette's not there, then there's a pass catching. Maybe it, it's a little bit ambitious to try to make a James White point uh, at this point with Vaughn, but I feel like there could be some potential there. But um, no, I haven't done enough to really be honing in on certain players. I'm surprised that Darius Slayton is not going earlier than the round 18, round 19 range. He didn't have a great uh, 2020, but I mean, that's no risk on him in that range. And especially when you factor in that Daniel Jones is sitting QB 22 in ADP in these drafts right now. That's a, a pretty high upside stack that you can get at very low cost, I think, at this point, if you are looking for guys in that range. And then... Outside the top 20 at tight end, I think there's an interesting pool of options. Blake Jarwin, O.J. Howard, Chris Herndon, Adam Troutman, Gerald Everett, Will Disley, Donald Parham. I mean, we could have five guys in that group that are number one tight ends for their teams in this season. And again, they're all going outside the top 20 at this position. So I think that if you do take one of the studs early or, you know, if you take somebody in round six, and round eight, you can just wait for a while and still find some upside in that range. Donald Parham, I think, is especially interesting right now because he's going very late, and we don't know if Hunter Henry is going to go back with the Chargers. Troutman's a name there I'm interested in. Um, again, just betting on Sean Payton's offense. Um, Saints were super high, and I remember the Saints. Then the Saints trade like all their like picks from like the third round on to like trade up to get Adam Troutman. They they gave up a, a surprising amount to you know make sure they got 
Troutman. I think Cook's going to be gone. So I, th- I think Troutman is going to get a shot at, you know, t- to be the lead tight end there. Quickly, just Preston Williams might be interesting. If Miami gets to Watson, Williams was good. He got hurt. He, he was going well with Tua when he got hurt in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so I think when he's been on the field, he's been excellent. But that's been staying on the field has been the problem. Uh, if, they're, if they can find space for him in Miami, he could be good at the end of these drafts, especially if they make that trade. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can find my review of 2020 quarterback scoring just posted Wednesday night. You can find the six-show podcast series Jared and I did with six top-shelf guests from around the fantasy industry, the What I Got Wrong series. We will have more off-season content on the way, soon to include the 2021 Dynasty Prospect Profiles. You can find all of us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Mike Shope is at Shope Talk. That's S-C-H-O-P-E. Adam is at Adam underscore Krautwurst. Jared is at Smola DS. I am at Shauf DS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, Jared Smola, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 